Here in this Imagine a Healthy 100 Creation Health series, we've been on a journey. We have looked at the fact that all change begins with choice. We've discovered the fact that our body has rhythms, and if we push ourselves with unceasingly toil and are stressed out and filled with anxiety without rest, that simply contributes to the breaking down of our entire system and heart disease, cancer, our immune systems become weakened. So we've looked at choice and rest. We've discovered that all around us, God has given a magnificent environment, an environment of fresh air and sunshine and water that are life-giving. We've looked at the fact that these bodies were designed for activity. And as we've traveled back to the garden, we've discovered that even God told Adam and Eve to tend and keep the garden, and He gave them useful work there. Our bodies haven't been created for sedentary activity, simply to sit all day. We've discovered also the health-giving, life-giving value of trust. And we've seen that trusting God not only leads us to spiritual wholeness, but that trust produces a calmness of spirit and leads us to physical and mental wholeness. We looked at interpersonal relationships and their value in the healing process. And the fact that those that are friends and that make Jesus their best friend have better health. In this presentation, we look at outlook. This is the seventh in our series, the positive optimistic attitudes and how to build them and their impact on our health. In our last, we have one more program in the series on nutrition. If you are watching via the Hope Channel or television, you're going to want to be sure not to miss that last presentation with the N in the Creation Health series on nutrition. If you are here in our local audience, our last presentation is tonight at 7 o'clock on nutrition, and we certainly invite you to come. Let's pray as we go into our presentation today. Father, we thank you that you have planted within our hearts that spark of hope. Thank you that you have created us for hope in that we are people of hope. As we study today, positive outlook and its impact on our physical, mental, and spiritual life. Lift our vision, encourage our hearts, and grant to us a sense of the hope of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Mickey's day didn't start well at all. The little seven-year-old boy was on his way to school, riding on the school bus, and as he did, he reached out over the seat, and there was a little screw coming up out of the seat, and he scratched his arm. Now, the scratch wasn't a real bad one, but it did bleed, and it got blood all over his shirt. So when Mickey got to school, he went into the bathroom, kept working to clean it off, clean it off, and finally he did. He came to class late. Teacher didn't know why he was in the bathroom, and the teacher wasn't too happy, but the teacher asked Mickey for a paper that he was supposed to have signed by his parents the night before. He had forgotten to have the paper signed, and the teacher wasn't too happy. Mickey's day didn't start well at all. But things went from bad to worse. While he was out playing at recess, one of his friends hit him accidentally with an elbow, giving him a fat lip and knocking out two teeth. Well, again, the injury wasn't serious. Mickey stayed at school. But he was sure anxious to get home that day, and so as he was running to the bus, he slipped on the ice and broke his wrist. The school administration called Mickey's dad to come and pick him up. As Mickey's dad picked him up to take him to urgent care or take him to the emergency room of the hospital to try to get that broken wrist repaired, Mickey's eyes got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he said, Dad, guess what? When I fell down and broke my wrist, I found a quarter on the sidewalk. Dad, I never found a quarter before. This is the best day of my life. That's attitude. That's attitude. That's a positive outlook. You see, your attitude makes all the difference in the world. How you see things, how you view things. You know, one person said to me, the longer I live, the more I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond. 
10% of what happens to us, 90% of how we respond. The single most important choice we make every day is the choice of our attitude. How are we going to relate to that day? Are we going to see life through positive eyes? Or are we going to see life through negative eyes? Are we going to see life through hopeful eyes or see life through eyes that are filled with despair? Now, our, our attitudes dramatically affect our well-being. There have been some fascinating studies done recently on world attitudes. Most of the studies that were done previously were done in industrialized countries. But there's a new study reported by researchers from the University of Kansas that have found that positive emotions are critical to maintain physical health for people worldwide, especially for those who are deeply impoverished. Now, here's the problem. The previous studies that had been done before the University of Kansas study on emotions and health, on positive emotions and good health, have been done largely on people who are middle-class Americans. There were very few studies done in the developing world. But the newer studies that have been done have been done in the developing world, and their results are incredibly fascinating. Uh, Sarah Pressman, the assistant professor of psychology at the University of Kansas, reports, we've known for a while now that emotions play a critical role in physical health, but until recently, most of this research was conducted only in industrialized countries. So we couldn't know whether feelings like happiness or sadness matter to the health of people who have more pressing concerns, like getting enough to eat or finding shelter, but now we do. In other words, always before, we, we, we didn't know the impact of emotion on a person that's homeless, the impact of positive emotions on a person that was underprivileged, underserved, poor, the impact of positive emotions on people that had very little or nothing in life. During the study, the researchers analyzed data from the Gallup World Poll involving more than 150,000 adults. Now, those of you that do statistical research, if you're a physician in the audience or a researcher, you know that 150,000 database is quite significant. The participants reported that their emotions and also reported their emotions and also answered questions about whether their most basic needs like food, shelter, and perfect personal safety were adequately met. The study showed that positive emotions such as happiness and contentment are unmistakably linked to better health even when taking into account one's lack of basic needs. In other words, no matter what your circumstances in life, whether you face poverty, whether you face sickness, whether you face lack of shelter, whatever the external circumstances, if you have a positive mental attitude, that transforms your life and brings healing to the entire body. As we develop positive attitudes, the brain secretes positive chemicals, the synapses of the brain function in ways that they would not function if our thought patterns were not more positive. Negative emotions such as worry and sadness are a reliable predictor of worse health. So in this study, if you have two people, they both need shelter. They both need food. Their bodies both are sickened from their problematic conditions. If you have two people like that, one has a positive attitude and one has a negative attitude, one, the positive attitude in that person enables that person to have far better health than the person that doesn't have a positive attitude. The world-famous Mayo Clinic encourages his patients to practice positive thinking, to think optimistically about the outcome when they're sick and being treated. And Mayo lists the results of the positive thinking or a positive outlook as decreased negative stress, greater resistance to catching the common cold, a sense of well-being and improved health generally, reduced risk of coronary artery disease, easier breathing in such lung diseases as emphysema, improved coping ability for women with high-risk pregnancies. In other words, if a woman with high-risk pregnancy has a positive attitude, she has better coping ability than one with a negative attitude, better coping skills during hardships. Dr. Carol Riff, psychology professor at the University of Wisconsin, reported in USA Today, October 12, 204, there is a science that's emerging that says a positive attitude isn't just a state of mind. 
It also has linkages to what's going on in the brain and in the body. In other words, if you have a positive attitude, you actually can change brain waves and you can actually impact the physiological responses in the body. It's amazing what a positive outlook will do for your life. Multiple studies show a variety of health benefits from keeping a positive outlook. Study after study shows that negative outlooks predispose us to disease, positive outlooks bring health to the body. There's a link between depression and disease that's very well known. The two Ds, the more depressed you are, the more the immune system is weakened and the more possibilities there are for disease. There's a new study published in 2008 in November by the University of Maryland researchers and they showed for the first time that listening to joyful music keeps blood vessels healthy. In other words, if you listen to a symphony, now I'm sure that there is some kind of music, if you call it music, that can jar the senses and narrow the blood vessels. But that lecture is for another time. <laughs> the study published talked about symphony music and uh, talked about joyful, positive music, University of Maryland. It keeps the blood vessels healthy. Dr. Michael Miller, MD, protector, uh, Director of Preventive Cardiology at the University of Maryland Medical Center and Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Maryland School of Medicine said, the emotional component may be an endorphin medicated effect. Here are people that listen to calm, soothing music, developed a positive outlook, a relaxed, restful state of mind, a joyous happiness, and it actually affected their blood vessels and gave them better cardiac heart. So when you are sitting in that easy chair with your headphones on and uh, listening to the music and your wife comes over to you, sir, and says, I need help with the dishes, say, oh, darling, I'm just getting a healthy heart. <laughs> and then she will say, my dear, that preacher also said that helpfulness gives you a healthy heart. <laughs> Listen to your music later. I had to say something to get the ladies back on my side. Now, just anticipating a laugh, because I wanted you to laugh, because I want you to have a healthy heart right now. Just anticipating a laugh can raise the levels of depression-fighting and immune-boosting hormones and lower stress rates, according to that outstanding esteemed university on the West Coast, Loma Linda University, Loma Linda, California, 208. Loma Linda was doing some studies, discovered that if you have a joyful spirit, if you have laughter, it helps to reduce depression, boost your hormones, low, uh, and lowers the stress hormones. University of Utah, March 209, women in an unhappy marriage have higher risk of developing depression and metabolic syndrome that can lead to heart disease. Our attitudes affect our health. You know, one of the great biblical ways of thinking is that human beings are physical, mental, and spiritual interrelated. Greek philosophy saw a dualism in all of that. The Greek philosophers, Plato and Socrates, were dualists. They believed that the mind, body, particularly the, what they would call the soul in the body, they had the false idea of the immortal soul. They said nothing you can do physically can affect the soul because uh, that's something that is an immaterial part of human beings. That's not biblical thought at all. In fact, the Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, I pray God that your whole body, soul, and spirit be sanctified wholly in preparation for the coming of Jesus. So God longs for us to live holistic lives. That which affects the mind affects the body. That which affects the mind and body affects our spiritual life. So we are integrated whole people. Take an inventory daily to keep negativity at bay. You may be developing negative thought patterns and not even realize it. You may be allowing those negative thought patterns to dominate your life. And unless you take a regular inventory, there may be negative words that are coming out of your mouth. John Kralik was an attorney who owned a law firm in Los Angeles. And he had been through some real rough time. He had a second marriage. The second marriage failed, so he was living alone. He had a strained relationship with both of his sons. They weren't talking to him anymore. They felt he was responsible for the, that, those failed marriages. And his law firm began to do quite poorly. 
They had a couple lawsuits against them. There were some real serious issues that were going on. The law firm seemed to be going down. And, and John had some real challenges in his own life. He was feeling quite discouraged. He was feeling quite disappointed. And as he was, one day he was hiking outside of L.A. And this thought came to him. If you want life to be the way you want it to be, be thankful what you have or for what you have or else you're not going to get much more. And John began to think about that. Be thankful for what you have or else you'll never receive what you want. Be thankful for what you have or else you'll never receive what you want. And John said, one of my problems is I've allowed negative thinking to narrow me. I've allowed negative thinking to squeeze me into its mold. And he made a decision that day, and it was at the end of the year, that starting in the new year, every day of the new year, he would write a thank you note to somebody. He began on January 1 writing a thank you note to his son for a Christmas gift. He then the second day began to write another thank you note to colleagues, another thank you note to servers at the restaurant where he ate. And John said, over time, I began to sense that I was changing, that something was happening in my own life. Because as I was impressed to write these thank you notes, and as I expressed that thankfulness with a tangible act, I became a thankful, cheerful, positive, happen positive person. Impression without expression leads to depression. Impression without expression leads to depression. If you feel impressed to thank somebody, reach out, shake their hand, give them a hug, and thank them. Because the more we express those desires of our heart that are hopeful and positive, the more those desires will become linked as part of our personality and part of our nature. John says today, I am a different person today. My life has turned around. He's built new relationships with his children. His profession has dramatically changed, and today he's actually a judge in L.A. His entire life has been turned around. He's an optimistic, cheerful person because he has expressed thanksgiving. How do you improve your emotional health? First, you attempt to live a balanced life. Because our emotions are tied to our physical and spiritual health, as we make positive choices, as we get adequate rest, as we get out in the fresh air and the sunshine and activity, as we trust God and as we make choices to have positive relationships, as we achieve a balanced life, our entire emotional life will improve. But if you have a sugar-laden, high-fat diet, get little exercise or overstress and stay up all hours of the night, you can expect to be filled with negative thoughts. How do you improve your emotional health? Have regular routine healthy meals. Get enough sleep and exercise. Avoid overeating. Don't abuse drugs or alcohol. In other words, follow the creation health model. Here's a second way that you can improve your emotional health. Develop resilience. You know, I was leading a group in Israel many years ago, and one of the things I love doing in my life is leading tour groups to Israel, to the sites of the seven churches in Turkey, through the Reformation sites, and we often go and spend a week, two weeks studying the Bible, praying together, and the group really bonds. A number of years ago, I was leading a group in Israel, and I had a Jewish guide, and the Jewish guide said to me, he said, Mark, on this tour, I want you to remember an old Jewish proverb. Let's read it together. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Blessed are the what? Flexible, for they shall not be broken. If your attitude is high expectations of other people, if you have high expectations of your husband or your wife, high expectations of your kids, and if you put them in this artificial mold and you're not flexible to deal with their faults and foibles and their mistakes, 
you will find yourself very high stressed and you'll find yourself developing negative attitudes. Perfectionistic people that expect perfection from themselves and perfection of other people who are not flexible, people who believe that things have to go exactly a certain way or the world is going to end tomorrow. Those kind of people are going to be negative at times. In fact, they're going to have not a positive outlook because nothing ever can serve to turn out right for them. One of the illustrations biblically of this flexibility is the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, verse 11 and 12. Paul says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, it's a learned ability, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to be abound. In other words, Paul says, when I don't have much, I'm flexible enough to adapt. When I have a lot, I'm flexible enough to adapt. Paul says, everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul said, you can put me in any circumstance and I can adapt to that because I know that God is with me in that circumstance. Flexibility is a very important quality of good emotional health. How do you have good emotional health? You attempt to live a balanced life. You develop resilience. You express yourself in appropriate ways. In other words, if you want good emotional health, Express positive thoughts. Express thankful feelings. Rejoice in the things that God gives you. When you go back to the Bible, the Bible makes an amazing statement. Ephesians 5 verse 20. Can you read it from the screen with me, please? Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is something about thanksgiving. Expressing thankfulness that transforms these very outlooks of ours. Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 4, read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. What a positive outlook. What an outlook that gives life-giving force to the entire being. Now, Paul had three secrets of inner contentment, three secrets of peace, contentment, and joy. It is not so simple to say, Whatever happens to you in life, just say, hey, I'm thankful for that. There are many things in life that strike us that we need not be thankful for. If a son dies in an auto accident, we don't say, praise God, I'm thankful. When we get cancer, we don't say, praise God, we're thankful. But how can you have a thankful heart and a rejoicing heart when things happen in your life that are evil. There are some things in life that are downright evil. And it doesn't help to sugarcoat them. It doesn't help to make believe they're good. But in spite of the evil, in spite of the heartache, in spite of the trauma, in spite of the sorrow in this world, the Apostle Paul discovered three secrets of inner peace, three secrets of contentment, three secrets of joy, he discovered that you could be joyful when evil things happen to you. Not joyful in the thing that happened, but joyful in something else. Not thankful in the thing that happened, but thankful in something else. Let's try to discover Paul's three secrets of inner peace and inner contentment and inner joy. First, Paul was filled with gratitude because he had a sense of Christ's all-wise purpose. The Apostle Paul knew that he was not alone in life. And though bad things may happen to him, that Christ had an all-wise purpose for him, and that through that experience that was even not good, never caused by God, that out of that, God had an all-wise purpose that he would work out for the Apostle Paul's life. Philippians 1 verse 12, Paul says, now Paul's in prison. He's writing this in prison in Rome. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul is in a dark, damp, dingy dungeon in Rome. He's separated from friends, separated from colleagues. It looks like his ministry is going to be over. And in that prison, he writes to the church at Philippi, and he says... What has happened to me has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What's Paul saying? Even in my imprisonment, even in this dingy dungeon, God has an all-wise purpose for my life. 
And as the result of that, Paul says, the gospel has impacted the whole palace guard. In other words, Paul is saying, if God wants to put me in prison in Rome so I can witness to the guards in the prison who can then go and share Jesus Christ among Caesar's household in the palace, that is all right with me. Because I sense that beyond what my eyes can see, beyond what my mind can comprehend, beyond what my heart can understand, I may not see it with my eyes. I may not comprehend it with my mind. I may not understand it with my heart. But deep within my soul, in the fabric of my being, I know that Christ has an all-wise purpose for me. And in the end, he'll explain it. In the end, everything is going to turn out all right. Paul says, Philippians 4, verse 6, be anxious. What's anxious? Stressed out, worried for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Talk about positive outlook. How do you have a positive outlook? You understand that Christ has an all-wise purpose for your life. Gratitude and thanksgiving in all of life's circumstances are two of the most powerful health-giving emotions. After the Second World War, a member of his congregation came to a rabbi in Germany. And he said, Rabbi, there are nine of us living in one room. It's horrible. We have no privacy. We have little to eat. Sometimes my children are sick. Rabbi, what can I do? The rabbi said, there's one thing you can do, and this is what it is. The man said, life's unbearable. Nine of us living in one room. What can I do? The rabbi said, okay, this is what I want you to do. Take your goat in the room with you. And then come back and talk to me in a week. The man said, what? Take your goat. You want good counsel? Take your goat in the room with you. Come back in a week. The man came back in a week and he said, it's horrible. It's worse. It's worse. The place stinks. It's worse. We can't live with that goat. What should I do? Take the goat out of the room and come back and talk to me in a week. The man came back in a week and he said, Rabbi, life is beautiful. We enjoy every minute of it now. There's no goat, only nine of us. If you've got a problem after this meeting today, come talk to me. I've got an extra goat. <laughs> Thanksgiving and gratitude makes such a difference in your life. Hans Selye, the great stress researcher in Montreal, said, Among all emotions, there is one which more than any other accounts for the presence of the absence of stress in human relations. That's the feeling of gratitude. You know, Hans Selye was not a Christian. And he said, the way you develop gratitude is even if you don't have it, just make believe you have it. I am so thankful that as a Christian, there's a far better way to get gratitude. Kneeling at the foot of the cross and saying, Jesus, I have so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. I can be thankful for the redemption of Jesus Christ that redeemed me that forgives my sins, thankful for the resurrection of Christ that he's ascended to heaven, thankful for the high priestly ministry of Christ. And Lord, whatever happens in my life, I know you care for me and I know you love me. Robert Emmons of the University of California at Davis published his research on gratitude in a book called, titled Thanks, How the New Science of Gratitude Can Make You Happier. Professor Emmons shows that a systematic cultivation of the unexamined emotion of thankfulness can measurably change people's lives. If you want to have better health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. Look throughout your day consciously of what you can be thankful for. Express that thankfulness to other people. I love that poem. Today upon a bus I saw a lovely maid with golden hair, I envied her. She seemed so happy, and how I wished I were so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one foot and wore a crutch. But as she passed, a smile, oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two feet. The world is mine. 
And when I stopped to buy some sweets, the lad who served me had such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and so warm. I said, it's nice to deal with you. Such courtesy I seldom find. He turned and said, oh, thank you, sir. And then I saw he was blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes. The world is mine. Then when walking down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play. It seemed he knew not what to do. I stopped a moment, then I said, Why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead without a word, and then I knew he could not hear. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears. The world is mine. There is so much for which to be thankful in Christ every single day. You know, Matthew Henry was an ancient pre a preacher of the 18th, 19th century, and uh, Henry was robbed one day. And after he was robbed, that night he wrote these words in his journal. I have so much for which to be thankful. I mean, the guy's robbed. I've got so much for which to be thankful. I'm thankful that God wrought such a change in my heart that it was I who was being robbed and not the one doing the robbing. That's something to be thankful for, isn't it? I'm thankful that even though the young man took my money, he did not take my life also. He continues. I'm thankful that even though he took my money bag, there wasn't much inside of it. <laughs> yeah, if he robbed me, that'd be the same. I'm thankful that I alone was injured and not any additional persons. I'm thankful that my life is so much more than earthly possessions, that God has granted to me in my sojourn here. And I'm thankful that even though I should have lost my life in this encounter, I know heaven is awaiting me where the riches of God's glory far outweigh the total of man's riches. In every circumstance of life, through Jesus Christ, understanding His all-sustaining purpose, we can be thankful. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, read it together with me, and we know that all things work together for good, that to them that love God and to them that are called according to His purpose. The Bible does not say all things are good does it? Because there are many things that are not good, they are what? Bad or evil. But it says all things work together. In other words, in the controversy between good and evil, the only thing that God will let to come upon you is something that ultimately, in spite of your human lack of understanding, He will work out for your good and His glory. We can trust Him. Because the Christ that died on Calvary's cross provides us grace, freedom from guilt, provides us deliverance from the bondage of Satan. And as the result of the cross, Satan is a defeated foe. So we can live with positive cheerfulness in life, in a hopeful outlook. Our sins are forgiven through the Christ of the cross. Our lives are empowered through the Christ of the cross. On the cross, Jesus took upon all evil, all wickedness, all sin. He drunk the depths of degradation on the cross, and consequently, he was victorious over Satan. Dr. Paul Tunier, the Swiss psychiatrist, has written much to show that guilt can make us sick, but grace frees us to live joyful, happy lives. The grace of God gives us a positive outlook. Although the world may throw evil at us, we know that Satan is a defeated foe. Paul was filled secondly with courage, not only because he had a sense of God's overruling purpose, but because he had a sense of Christ's all-sustaining power. Paul knew that whatever circumstance he was in, Christ would give him power to sustain him in that. Not only was there purpose, but there was power. Christ had a purpose, and Christ would supply him with power. When Paul and Silas were in prison, they were thrown in prison. They were in stocks. They were chained. They were being beaten. Their backs were lashed and bloody. They began to sing. Singing when you've been whipped. Singing when you've been imprisoned singing when you are isolated in that cell. They were singing praises to God. The Bible says, Acts 16, verse 25 and 26, but at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You can imagine those prisoners were amazed what 
gives these apostles the ability to sing. They've just been whipped. They're bloody. They're in pain. What gives them the ability to sing? They're in prison. How could they be thankful in the middle of what had been their worst night? Here's how. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. They had a sense that in the context of their suffering, Christ was there to strengthen. Christ was there to empower. Christ was there to give them new courage and new hope. Whatever you're going through today in your life, Christ has an all-wise purpose. And Christ has abundant power for you. He will not allow anything to come upon your life that He does not empower you to face. As they sang, Acts 16, 25, and 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loosed. Praise unlocks the power of God. Can you say it with me? Praise unlocks the power of God. Again, praise unlocks the power of God. When you are going through a difficult time in your life, and in spite of the difficulty you praise, in spite of the difficulty you are thankful, it unlocks God's power to work miracles in your life. Now, what if Paul and Silas were in there? And Paul looks over at Silas and says, Silas? Where's God now? Silas, what's going on here? Silas, we are serving God and they beat us. Silence, God forsook us. We're in this dark dungeon. Silas, we're never going to get out of here. Silas looks at Paul and he says, Paul, you're right. We're never going to get out of here. Paul, we're going to die here. Paul, I told you. You think there would have been an earthquake? You think God would have sent an angel to open those prison cells? So when you're driving down the street and there's a traffic jam and you say, I told you we shouldn't have gone this way. <laughs> when you get cancer and you've been trying to follow the best you could principles of health and you say, God, why? Lord, I can't praise you for this cancer. I can't, Lord. I can't rejoice in the cancer, but I can rejoice in you. Amen. I can't rejoice that I just lost my job but I can rejoice that you'll provide for me. I can't rejoice though I just went through divorce, but I can rejoice that you'll meet my love needs. You see the difference? We shift our thinking process from the negative, depressing, discouraging, evil circumstances and focus them on the one who will supply us the power to cope. C.J. did that. C.J. developed an incredibly positive attitude as a little eight- or nine-year-old boy when he was diagnosed with cancer. C.J.'s parents took him from one doctor to the other. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with the lad. But finally, after one insurance company denied him getting an MRI, he applied again as he continued to go to doctors three, four months later. One doctor ordered an MRI for CJ, but their insurance company denied the doctor's request. CJ was diagnosed eventually with acute lymphoblastic lymphoma, a very serious but treatable form of cancer. And CJ went through cancer treatment after cancer treatment. Positive attitude, positive outlook. One day, C.J. wrote a poem that he gave to his mother, or a piece of prose, and he said this, There was God. Some of the deepest theology that I've ever read is in this poem. There was God. God created the universe. Inside that universe was a solar system. Inside that solar system was a planet. Inside that planet was a continent. Inside that continent was a, con was a country. Inside that country was a state. Inside that state was a city. Inside that city was a county. Inside that county was a house. Inside that house was a boy. Inside that boy was a heart. And inside that heart, there was God. CJ, here's this little kid knowing 
that God would never leave him, knowing that God would never forsake him, knowing that God would strengthen him to face whatever he had to face. In spite of his circumstances, C.J., like the apostle, could praise God because of an inner divine strength that comes from trusting God. What are the three secrets that Paul learned? First secret, in spite of what happens to me in life, God has an overarching purpose. Second, in spite of what happens to me in life, God has an all-empowering strength to strengthen me with what I go through. Thirdly, Paul was filled with hope because he recognized and he had a sense of Christ's overarching plan. He knew that God had a purpose in suffering. He knew that God would supply power in suffering. But he also knew that Christ had an overarching plan. And if you know that whatever you go, are going through in life, Christ has an overarching plan, that this life is not all that there is. The Apostle Paul came to the end of his life, and he looked at that, that, that plan, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 8. He says, for I am, am already being poured out as a drink offering, I'm dying. In the time of my departure, my death is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but all who love is appearing. Paul looked beyond what was to what would be. He looked beyond the fading, temporary, transitory nature of earth to the eternal, permanent, everlasting reality of heaven. Paul looked beyond his suffering to the day that he would have an immortal body. He looked beyond the injustice of the Roman Empire to the glorious kingdom of Christ where justice will reign. He looked beyond the persecution that he faced to the glory of living in eternity. There is something about hope that instills you to have a positive outlook on life. And Christians know that this world is not all there is. 1,500 times in the Bible, the Bible describes the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. David says, our God will come and not keep silence. In the book of Jude, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, predicted that Christ would come with 10,000 of his saints. Jesus, when he was here, said, John 14, 1-3, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. What hope? Amen. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the, trump, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them with the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Revelation chapter 1, 7, John says, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye will see him. We are filled with hope because beyond the despair, beyond the disappointment, beyond the sorrow of earth, beyond the sickness and suffering and heartache and trauma, Jesus Christ will eventually set up his eternal everlasting kingdom. That's why Paul could say with, in Titus, write to the young man Titus in chapter 2, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. When down seems up in your life, and when up seems down in your life, when you walk through the dark valley of discouragement, when things seem to be going wrong, when all of life around you seems to be crashing in on you, look up, look up, look up. Because beyond what is, Christ has an overarching plan for your life. Beyond the circumstances of your life, there is a living Jesus in a sanctuary called heaven that makes intercession for you and will give you strength to cope. And beyond what is, Jesus Christ is preparing an eternal kingdom for you. One day the earth will shake. One day the buildings will crumble. One day the sky will be lighted with the glory of God. And one day Jesus Christ will come. Amen. And I was just a little girl. 
She was going to celebrate a birthday. And her daddy said to her, Anna, what would you like for your birthday? They lived in New Bedford, Massachusetts. New Bedford, for many years, was a great whaling city, and you can even hire a boat today and go out 100 miles, 150 miles, and see the big fish, the whale jump. Anna always wanted to see a whale jump. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, what I would like more than anything else for my birthday is let's buy some tickets on the whale boat. Daddy, I want to see the big fish jump. So her dad bought the tickets, and they went out on that whale boat, out offshore, and they saw those whales jumping. But there was one problem. The boat was crowded that day, and everybody was standing at the rails. And Anna and her dad were standing about four back, and, the, and people were ooing and eyeing. They were saying, look the fish, look the whales. And Anna kept saying, Daddy, I can't see anything. Daddy, I can't see anything. Daddy, I can't see anything. Finally, her father said, Anna, don't worry about it. He picked her up and put her on his shoulders. And she looked out and said, Daddy, Daddy, I can see now. I can see farther than my eyes can look. On the shoulders of faith, we see farther than our eyes can look. On the shoulders of faith, we look beyond what is to what will be. We look beyond time and we get a glimpse of eternity. Uh, by faith, we see Jesus. And by faith, we're not lying on a bed of illness with cancer racking our bodies. By faith, we are running through fields of waving grain with a new immortal body. By faith, we're not sitting in our living room with our hands and our head crying in loneliness. By faith, we're surrounded by 10,000 times 10,000 angels singing praise and glory to God in a new land. By faith, we're not poverty-stricken. We are rich in Jesus Christ. We're picking fruit from trees laden with fruit. By faith, we imagine the grave opened. By faith, we hear Jesus calling our name, John, Mary, Dora, Richard, come forth. By faith, we're embraced by Christ. By faith, we travel millions of miles through space, beyond the planets, through that great open space in Orion. By faith, the heaven's gates opened. By faith, we join the angels singing, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. By faith, we travel with Jesus to the Holy Land, that glorious, eternal New Jerusalem. I have good news for you tonight. You and I can rejoice I have good news for you tonight. You and I can have hearts that are filled with thankfulness. Today, this very day, we can be filled with thankfulness. Today, this very day, we can be filled with gratitude. Today, this very day, we can be filled with joy. Why? Because Christ has an overriding purpose for your life. We can be filled with joy. Why? Because Christ has overwhelming power to strengthen you. We can be filled with an overriding sense of joy. Why? Because Christ has a plan. He is coming to take you home. Amen. One thing I know for sure, one thing I know for sure, this world is not my home. It is not my home when I'm called to the bedside of a family and I hold the hands of a woman, 48, who breathes her last and dies. And I have to counsel that husband and her children. When I see her die too young, I know this world is not my home. This world is not my home. When I walk the streets of India, for 10 years my wife and I have been traveling for a special mission in India. I know this world is not my home. When little children fall at my feet, skinny, thin, and emaciated, and their little brown eyes look up at me and say, can I have a little food? This world is not my home when I go into impoverished homes in Africa 
and see a woman who's been raped dying of AIDS. There's something wrong with the picture here, something wrong. This world is not our home. When some man goes out and gets drunk in Orlando and comes home and hits his wife in the face and breaks her nose, there's something wrong with that. There's something tragically wrong with a world that's filled with war and poverty and sickness and conflict and strife. Deep within my heart, I know it. And you know it too. There has to be something better for this world. And Jesus says to you, my child, I'm preparing a world for you. A world for you that's beyond your imagination. A world for you where there is no sickness or suffering or heartache or death. One thing I know, I want to be there with him forever and ever. What do you say? Amen. As we bow our heads to pray, is there something in your life, something in your life, some attitude, some habit, some lifestyle practice that you know is not in harmony with his will, but you want to live with him forever? And you want to say, Jesus, I want right now just to lift my hand and say, Jesus, take that thing. Jesus, take that thing. Just lift your hand. Something in your life, something not in harmony with this. Well, you want to give it to him this morning. You may put your hand down. Is there somebody here today that you sense that at times your attitudes haven't been positive? At times you've let the circumstances of life keep you from seeing the beauty of his plan and the beauty of his purpose and experiencing his power. And you just want to say, Lord, I want to be a thankful person filled with gratitude. I want to be a person of positiveness. Would you just raise your hand? Oh, Jesus, you see our hands. You know our hearts. We thank you so much that you can place within us positive emotions. We thank you so much that you can sweep away the negativeness of our lives. We thank you so much that Jesus Christ died, that we're forgiven, that grace sets us free, that the bondage of hell has been broken, that the forces of hell have been cast down, that you triumphed over them in the cross. We thank you that there's power, power in Jesus, our high priest, to strengthen us to face life. And we thank you that we're not left alone on some speck of cosmic dust, that Jesus Christ is coming again. May we leave this place today with hearts filled with hope and joy. In the name of Jesus, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.